0: So I'll start with the story. Some of you are familiar with the Iliad and the Odyssey. So all cultures in the world have their origin story. Native American tribes will tell you where they came from and how the sun the moon and the mountains married each other and had you know, Mount St. Helens for offspring and whatever. And we came from that forest over there. People have their origin story. The Greek origin story comes from the Iliad and the Odyssey. <clears throat> And in one of them, and I don't remember which one, I read these 25 years ago, uh, there's this guy named Odysseus, which I guess is probably the Odyssey. And Odysseus is in, on a journey, and I forget why he's on the journey and where he's going and all that, but this is the story with Cyclops and Minotaur and all of these kind of fake creatures that he supposedly had to avoid or do battle with, etc., Well, one of them, and they're on a Greek boat. This is a boat from 2,500 years ago. So basically a pretty simple boat, maybe from that pew to that pew in length with one mast in the middle with a single sail kind of thing. So pretty simple stuff with some oars. And he and his crew are on their epic journey to wherever and back again. So, But they've got to pass the, in the ocean, this is the Mediterranean. There's a spot where nobody can ever get to the other side because there's a gigantic whirlpool that's circling and every ship that comes close gets sucked into the whirlpool and it sinks and the crew drowns and dies. So no one can ever get to the other side. So here's the thing. It's wide enough to get past it, but no one ever gets past it. And the reason is there are some woman, I think, uh, like a mermaid or something, that sings the siren song, and there's no crew that can resist her song. Every crew that comes, they're all like, we're going to hug the coast, and we're not going to go toward the whirlpool, but they hear the music, and they can't help it, and they always steer their boat to the whirlpool, and the boat is ruined. So, Odysseus has this plan. He tells the guys, okay guys, we're coming up on that giant whirlpool and that that witch lady who sings and whatever. So this is the plan. We'll put wax in all of your ears so none of you can hear her song, all right? So you won't be seduced by the music. You'll tie me up to the mast of the ship where the sail is, to the, the, the beam, the wooden beam in the middle of the boat. Just tie me up, hands behind my back, wrap rope all around me and all that. And then when we're sailing through there, I will be able to hear her because I won't have any wax in my, in my ears. But you will not be able to hear me telling you to steer toward the whirlpool and that sound. And I will be able to hear it, but I won't be able to do anything about it. And then when we get past the whirlpool and past the music, you can all take the wax out of your ears and untie me, and I'll tell you what the music sounded like. Okay, so they did it, and they they succeeded. Okay, I bring that up to say that there are these things in our lives that are seemingly impossible to overcome, sort of like the siren song of that woman of the sea that's going to lead to our doom. Addicts will tell you about this, you know, their addiction to internet pornography, no, not today, and they just whiten up, and they get on the internet, they can't help it. Person with a chemical addiction, alcohol, drugs, same story, you know, they want to beat it and they just can't help it. Gambling addiction, addiction to sugar, to to gluttony, or whatever it is. So people with addictions, they want to overcome it. They want to stay away from the whirlpool, but they just can't. The siren song is too difficult. And the same is true in the spiritual life in this sense. The spirit, these sort of dark nights of faith. We get to these points where we have to have belief in Jesus Christ. We have to have faith in God that exceeds anything that our nature can accommodate. In our nature, there's no way we can do it. In our nature, we can't get past the whirlpool. We just, we can't get there. So today, Jesus appears on top of Mount Tabor, glorified to Peter, James, and John. And he's revealing his divinity to them. <clears throat> okay, they've been sleeping In his camps, they've been journeying with him, eating with him, and all these other human things. And they've been learning bits and pieces about this guy is the Messiah, and he might be more than this Messiah. Who is he? And now he's revealing, I'm divine. I'm God. I'm God. They still don't quite get that yet, but they're getting it. They're getting closer. And he reveals his divinity and his glory to them as he floats up in the air, and they awaken from their sleep, and they're terrified in the presence of his glory. To strengthen them, To strengthen them because they're going to come into their own whirlpool. Their own siren song that's going to make them turn around and go back. And what is it? What is that whirlpool? The whirlpool for them will be Calvary. Jesus will be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane with them present. And they'll all run and they'll all be scared and they'll have their face shaken as Jesus says at the last supper... Peter says, oh, I'll stand with you. I'll die for you. And he says, Peter, tonight you'll have your faith shaken. You'll deny me three times. You have no idea how powerful the siren song for fleeing in the presence of suffering is. It's so powerful. We all want to flee in the face of suffering. Jesus will go to his cross. He'll go to his cross. He'll die upon that cross. And their faith will be shook to its core. They won't know what to believe about him anymore. They thought he was the Messiah, that he would liberate us from whatever. Maybe even they thought that he might be God somehow, and here he is dying and being crucified and he's dead, and we've lost our leader and we have no idea what we believe anymore, let alone what to do next. We're at a complete and total loss. Our faith is shaken to its core. That's why Jesus will reveal himself. So that when that moment comes, you can remember this moment, what you saw and experienced with your own eyes, which nature could not provide for you. I need you to go beyond your nature to a supernatural or above and beyond nature place of faith in me. Abraham is experiencing that when he's told to sacrifice his son Isaac. This is a big deal. 80 year, Abraham was 80 years old. Sarah was, I think, 80 years old when he was born. This is like their only child. This is it. You want me to kill my only child and give him to you? You've got to be kidding me. And the Lord is saying, I need you to get past the whirlpool, the whirlpool of doubt. I need you to get past the siren song. That says, there's only misery for me if I'm faithful to you. I need you to have blind faith, Abraham. Peter and James and John, I need you to have blind faith. You don't need to understand. The understanding will come after the test. But you're going to be tested to the point where you will not know who you are anymore. And I need you to be faithful through the test. In Abraham's case, he was. He was. He was going to take his own son's life because God had said so. And that's extraordinary because Abraham had never met God like the apostles. God never walked with Abraham in the divine person of Jesus Christ. Abraham didn't even know that God loved him. The Bible hadn't been written yet. I mean, He knew that God created all things and was sustaining all things, but then God's going to have him take away his most important thing his son, Isaac, this doesn't make sense. And yet, Abraham would do it. He would do it. And he passes the test. And then Abraham becomes then the father of the nations. The promised inheritance of descendants is numerous. The stars in the sky. And frankly, you and I are some of his descendants. We are his descendants in faith. Because Abraham had faith The covenant with the Jewish people was established. And through the covenant of Jewish people came the Messiah, Jesus, who is our Lord and Redeemer and our Savior. But it goes back to Abraham's extraordinary, beyond nature, having faith when there is no logic involved, when it's a complete and total act of trust, when all the evidence says otherwise. That is what the saints would call the dark night of faith. The dark night of faith. Where it's simply an act of death. I will die in this moment for something that I don't understand and I can't control. And I cannot see any good that would come from it. But because it's been asked of me, I'll do it. Trez of on her deathbed dying at the age of 24 of tuberculosis God removes all of his consolation for her. He wants her to experience what Abraham is experiencing with his son Isaac. He wants her to experience what the apostles experience in Gethsemane and as Jesus is crucified. He wants her to experience a complete and total absence of him so that she can be tested. And he removes his consolation. Satan appears to her on her deathbed. And he tells her, everything that you've lived for was a lie. You wasted your life. You could have gotten married and had kids. You didn't need to make this sacrifice. You were a fool. And she's screaming out to Jesus, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in you, Jesus. And then she passes the test. The Lord appears to her to drive Satan away. And she'll die going straight into the beatific vision everyone will ultimately experience that dark night of faith. Even the angels in heaven, when they were created, they were created outside of the beatific vision and God proceeded to tell them that God would take on flesh, which was insulting to the angels. That God uh, was, God would take on flesh, that God would uh, that God would take on flesh that God would be born of a woman that God would elevate a woman over them they had not yet seen the beatific vision and to them it sounded like they'd have to be servants of flesh they couldn't do it they couldn't do it they couldn't get past the whirlpool they couldn't see and understand and a third of them could not pass the test they were then thrown out of heaven for eternity And the two-thirds that remained were now shown the beatific vision and entered in. We're all tested. We're all tested in our faith. The vast majority of us fail and fail and fail again. But know this, that in our act of faith, not in our understanding, that's not faith. Satan has understanding and he's in hell. Faith, which is communion with God in the absence of understanding. That that faith will lead to a transfiguration. That that faith ultimately leads to glory. So when you're suffering, when you're in your dark night, you cling close to Jesus and know that there's something on the other side of Gethsemane. There's something on the other side of the whirlpool. There's something on the other side of sacrificing your son. And it's glory.